and turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 this evening. Uh, a couple of things I want to point out to you before we read. Uh, one is just to remind you that the context is Paul uh, defending his ministry to the church at Corinth. So there's, he's talking a lot about his own ministry here. Now, some have taken that to mean that this is not for us directly because we are not called to the same ministry. And I would, uh, I would disagree with that. Uh, Paul certainly is called to a unique ministry in as much as he was called to be an apostle, and we are not called as apostles. But his call to share the gospel is one part of his office as apostle, and it is a part that all of us are to be participating in. And that's why I believe this evening, when we begin to read in a moment, he's immediately going to, to encourage us not to lose heart. He's going to tell us in these verses this evening not to lose heart. It's an incredibly encouraging and I think somewhat practical passage because the reality is when it comes to sharing the gospel, losing heart is precisely what we've done. Now, we lose heart so much that we don't ever get started in it. We lose heart because the, the, the barest beginnings of a sharing of the gospel, just really beginning to decide, I'm going to do this, and the very first time you stick your neck out, you get ignored or ridiculed, and you immediately lose heart and think to yourself, I, I knew it. I knew I wasn't going to be any good at this. I knew nobody was going to listen. And Paul is going to give us a fantastic reminder this evening not to lose heart. And in these verses, these six verses here, Paul is going to, on the one hand, give us some insight into why we might be tempted to lose heart, and he's going to tell us why we shouldn't in each case. And then he's going to also remind us all of the positive reasons that we shouldn't lose heart and encourage us in the truth of who's doing the work and who that person is. He's going to remind us who God is in the work. He uses, uh, remember we, in last week's lesson, he's using a lot of this language of, of being veiled and there being a certain blindness. That continues this evening as he's making reference back to Moses and the giving of the law. Moses would go up on the mountain and he would be with God. And the result of seeing God's face was that Moses would come down off of the mountain and his own face was glowing with the glory of God. And the people couldn't stand it. And so he would put a veil over his face because they could not bear to see the glory of God in Moses' face. Paul's going to lean heavily on that this evening as he uses the language of light and dark, blindness and having our eyes opened, and remind us that it's God who's doing it. And so there's, uh, there's a lot in this evening's passage. I'm excited. Let me pray for us, and we'll read and get started. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the encouragement that we have from Paul. And we pray, Father, that we would take this encouragement to heart, and if we are those who have not begun to share the gospel, that we would, we would not be discouraged, that we would not lose heart before we have even begun. And if, Father, we have begun to share it, if we've begun to tell others about Christ and to encourage others to share Christ, and we have uh, been given reason to be discouraged in that and are already beginning to lose heart, Father, we pray that you would bear us up. We pray that your spirit will be at work in the reading and preaching of your word tonight. We know that's the only way that it's any good to us at all because we are fallen and sinful, but we know that your spirit can overcome this. Having brought us from death to life, we know that your spirit will work in us to, uh, to sanctify our minds and our hearts. We pray that you would do it according to your word tonight. In Christ's name, 
Amen. Hear the reading of God's Word, 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this evening, uh, two things that I want to focus on in the the brief time that we have. Uh, The first is acknowledging uh, that there there may be reasons that we might be inclined to lose heart. Uh, It's tempting to do so. Why would we lose heart? Paul is going to answer this question and encourage us. The second, why shouldn't we lose heart? And I don't mean that in, in the, uh, the polemical way. You know, why, like, uh, like uh, in the, the Lord of the Rings when he says, why shouldn't I take the ring? Trying to, trying to think of some reason that he shouldn't do it. Why should we not lose heart? Paul's going to tell us this evening as well. Uh, there's reasons, uh, and we see here Paul addressing these reasons. Paul doesn't come out and tell us what his outline is, but he says things that are difficult to uh, understand why he says this here, if not in order to answer these questions. So he's open by saying, we do not lose heart, but we've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Why would Paul or anyone else who's sharing the gospel be inclined to use underhanded ways, to engage in cunning, to tamper with God's word? The answer, briefly, is because we don't think it's working. I tried to share the gospel. I told them about Jesus. I told them that we're all going to hell if we don't trust Jesus and repent. And they just thought it was the worst message ever. And I've tried it several times and nobody likes that message. Nobody wants to hear that Jesus died for their sins. So I thought of a new way to to package that message. I'm I'm going to focus on some parts and not others. Right? And, and we subtly begin to change the message, and we'll tweak it and play with it, and maybe we'll share that version of the message with someone, and then this version of the message with someone until we find a message that works. A message that when we share it with people, they're glad to hear it. You see, the temptation is that in our experience, or maybe it's not experience, maybe it's only our imaginings. As we, we say to ourselves, I wonder what it would look like if I was to share the gospel. And in imagining that, we say to ourselves, nobody wants to hear that. And we're tempted to twist the message. Tempted to say less about what we deserve apart from Christ. Tempted to say less about what the Christian life looks like if you're living it according to God's Word. Let's focus on the good parts, the encouraging parts. Surely we can catch some fish 
with the happy parts of the message, downplay the lesser parts. One reason we lose heart is because it just doesn't seem to be working. The problem, listen, is not the gospel. The reason that people hear the gospel and do not believe is not because of a deficiency in the gospel. It's because of a deficiency in ourselves. That is, those who hear the gospel and do not believe. We don't compromise the message in order to try and make it more effective. It is every bit as effective as God intends it to be in the hearts of those to whom we proclaim it. Why else might we lose heart? We might lose heart because people just refuse to believe. They just won't accept it. I've, I've told people and told people and told people, and nobody has ever believed the message that I have said. Look at what he says here. He says, have, you know, refusing to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. He, he makes it very simple for us. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. It's God who's going to do this work. It's not up to us to convince everyone that we come into to contact with, everyone that we share the gospel with. Do we want to be convincing? Do we want to be compelling? Absolutely. But is it us, ourselves, by our cunning, by our, our particularly fancy uh, delivery that makes it effective? It is not. It's God. An open statement of the truth is how we commend ourselves in the sight of God. It's God who uses the message that we proclaim in order to change the hearts and the minds of those to whom we proclaim it. He says in verse 3, here in verse 3, he implicitly recognizes more than perhaps at any other point so far in our text this evening that no matter what you do, there are going to be people who simply will not believe. He says even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We are often discouraged in sharing the gospel because we're just not seeing any success. We're just not seeing anybody believe it, anybody interested in it. And we can't figure out why. We know that the gospel's not deficient. We believe that the gospel is beautiful. We rejoice in the gospel and praise God for the gospel. How is it that they don't? How is it that we, we tell them about these things that are so important to us, these things that are so true in the world and in eternity, and yet they don't believe it? Paul says it's because the, the God of this world, that is Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. They cannot believe. They are blinded. And listen, this is the key here. This is not your fault, nor is it a problem with the gospel. This is not in your control. You did not blind them, and more importantly, you cannot give them sight. Paul, in the, the final verses of our passage this evening, is going to really lean into uh, the encouragement. We're going to finish with that in our second point, but before we do, the last thing here under the first point, why would we lose heart, is because we feel rejected. Paul has, I, I can't imagine a better answer 
to this concern. Look at what he says in verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Why does Paul say this? Because when we share the gospel with others and they reject us, it is not us that they are rejecting, but Jesus Christ. Paul says, listen, don't worry, you're not being rejected. Christ is the one being rejected. If we are, in fact, if we are indeed giving Christ to them, and they will not have Him, it's Christ that is being rejected. Certainly, rejection comes with that for us as well. But what good company? If our Christ is rejected, would you rather stand warming your hands around a fire as He's carried out of the city? Would you rather go with Him and be with Him at all costs? The rejection is His and yours only because you're with Him. Why would we lose heart? Because we might feel rejected. But listen, it's not you that has been rejected, but Christ. Paul, this evening, the second thing I want to do is is turn and look at the positive reasons that Paul gives us not to lose heart. He's not only addressing common reasons that we might lose heart and telling us why those are no good reason to lose heart, but he's reminding us of all of the reasons, the positive reasons, that we should not lose heart. Go back to the beginning of the passage. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Do you see the? He gives you one of the reasons right there in the statement because the ministry has come to us from God. And look, if I decided I wanted to be a professional football player, and I took that upon myself, and I went and did all the things and leaned into that, and at every level I was being told, you're really in the wrong business, Matt. This is, this is really not, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> right? I, I might lose heart, rightly so, But we have not called ourselves to this. We have not said to ourselves, there's many things in the world I might do. I think I'd be good at that. Let me take this up and go do this. No, we have all been called to this ministry by God. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart Who told us to go out into the world and tell others about Christ? God did. And having been commissioned by God, we go out and do not lose heart. I'll tell you, uh, and and there may be instances in your own lives where you you can take this illustration and apply it more effectively, but I know in the military, there's a rank structure, and typically those who outrank you tell you what to do. And you, in turn, tell those that you outrank what to do. But my last job on active duty, I was what we call an adjutant for the battalion. I was a, a lowly lieutenant working for a colonel. And the colonel would send me to talk to his captains and tell them what to do. And sometimes I knew that the message I was delivering was not one they wanted to hear. They were not going to be excited to see me coming from the colonel's office. But I went in with boldness. I went in and I declared the message to them. And it being the army, sometimes unkind words were said, right? 
Uh, It was not well received. They would try to argue with me, and I would say to them, I'm not the one you, you need to argue with. This is the message, and you are to receive it. We have been sent by God, commissioned by God. And in the same way that I had great confidence, because I was there on behalf of the colonel, if they didn't like it, they could take it up with the colonel. But I'm here to deliver the message, and I deliver it with the colonel's authority, because it is true. And if a colonel has that kind of ability to instill confidence, how much more, infinitely more, God when he sends us out into the world as his ambassadors? Why else do we have good reason not to lose heart? Well, because what we proclaim is the truth. Look at what Paul says here. He says, by an open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Why should we not lose heart? Because the message we declare is true. And not just true at a, at a basic level, not just true in the sense that it's not false, it's not a lie, but what is that message? It is the message that the wrath of God is coming into the world against all of the ungodly, and there is only one place to take refuge from that wrath, and that is in Jesus Christ. That is a true message. We don't go wondering if it's a true message. We go knowing that the message is true. Knowing that it's true, we go with confidence and we do not lose heart. It's God's work through us. As I said earlier, we go commending ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. It is God who will do the work, and we are but messengers. He tells us that they are blinded by the God of this world. But God shone His light into our hearts. Why should we not lose heart? Who are we to overcome Satan? Satan has blinded them. What can we do about this? We, on our own, can do nothing. But listen, what God is doing through us is opening blind eyes. Look at the logic in in Paul's writing here. He tells us that Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Look, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you hear what he's implying? Corinthians, you were blind once too. And so was I. And there was no help to be had from anywhere or anyone but God. Who shone that light of the gospel into our hearts. Why should we take this message out to the world and not lose heart? Because what God is doing through us as we take that message out is He is shining the light of the gospel into the heart of those 
who are blinded, veiled in darkness. We were blinded by Satan, but God shone his light into our hearts. The God who said, let there be light, is the one who does this in our hearts and will do it in the hearts of those to whom we take the message. Don't miss his argument here. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness. The who said, let light shine out of darkness. That's a, that's a I'm going to bore you for a second. Just, just the briefest second. I'm going to say the word grammar. Uh, but I'm coming right back, okay? That entire phrase, what it does grammatically is it describes God. For God, which God? What God? What about this God? The God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Who in Genesis 1 said, let there be light. That God has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What I'm getting at here is the power of God in the message that we proclaim. Yes, it goes out to those who are blind. No, not everyone who hears the message is going to believe. But is that blindness that they suffer insurmountable? It is not. God overcame it in us, and He will overcome it in them. If you think to yourself, that person would never believe, you might wonder if somebody ever thought that about you before you believed the gospel. I'm going to close with this. Very simple. And a a beautiful thing that Paul does here in this final verse. Look at what he says. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Don't miss the closing phrase. It's, it's the winner. This is where all the money is in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul says you were blind, but God has given you sight. To see what? Sight so that you can now read the law? Sight so that you can now see the speck in your brother's eye. Sight even so that you will see the the log in your own eye. Those are all things that, that, that matter. They're all secondary at best, tertiary probably more likely. What is it we see when God shines into our hearts? We see the face of Christ. That's why he opens our eyes, to see the face of Christ. I've pointed it out before a long time ago. But have you ever thought about the first thing a blind person sees in the Gospels when Christ heals them? Some of the descriptions of healing blindness, Christ is this close. Christ reaches up with one man, you remember, with the mud on his thumbs, and he puts his thumbs in the man's eyes and wipes the mud on his eyes. He's got to be standing right here. Listen, we could spend years talking about nothing but the benefits that are ours in Christ. But you have got to begin here. Christ himself is the benefit. Christ is who the Father longs to give us. 
And Christ is who the Father sends us out to give to others. That's what, that's what evangelism is about. It's almost become a dirty word for us. I know it. I'm not being critical. This is me. I'm with you. We're in the same little boat together floating out here in the water. I am no more excited to hear the word evangelism than you are. What a travesty. What a travesty that we have seen the face of Christ and been sent out to give that to others, to tell them about it so that God will shine the light into their hearts and they will open their eyes and see their Savior. What a privilege. Paul tells us this evening, therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Listen, it's not going to be great. People aren't going to throw parades for us because we told them about Jesus, at least not on this side of heaven. I don't know about when we get there. It's going to be hard. There are going to be reasons that from a worldly perspective we're going to be inclined to lose heart. Don't lose heart. So many good reasons to tell others about Christ. Let's pray.